0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to really delve into that chapter. We're going to we're going to dig deep. And let me just kind of tell you this week. Uh, I was praying since I've come back from Honduras, just knowing, Lord, what where where are we going with our next series? What what are you wanting to do? What do you want to speak to your people? And I was really wrestling, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And I and I kind of had a direction that I felt in my heart, and then uh, I started kind of getting in as I do and started to, to, to study a little bit and, and try to dig in and say, Lord, where, where where what is this? Where do you want us to go? And and then the Lord took me to a verse in Hebrews chapter 11, and it said, by faith, Noah. And all of a sudden, I, I started reading Hebrews chapter 11, and what I discovered, and, and, and it's been there. How many of you know that, that you can read the Bible over and over again, and sometimes you just come across a passage in a certain moment? And it's just like, aha, the Lord just like, whoo, you know, and, and that's just what, what happened. And so I came across and, and, and as I was, was kind of looking at this very familiar chapter called the Hall of Faith and all of these Old Testament characters of faith, I noticed a recurring theme. The words by faith, by faith, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham by faith, Sarah, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, by faith, Joshua, by faith, Rahab, and on and on and on and on. 17 times. And there's another time where where it doesn't necessarily say by faith, but it's implying it. 17 times over and over and over again. This list is filled with people who are not perfect people. In fact, there are moments that they acted in great faith and there are other moments where they struggled and they didn't, where they wavered with faith. Noah got drunk, Abraham lied, Sarah laughed at what God said. Jacob was a deceiver, Moses was a murderer, Rahab was a prostitute, David committed adultery and murder. And don't even get me started with Samson. (laughs) And yet here they are in a chapter dedicated to faith And what we see in the lives of these imperfect people is we see God giving us illustrations of what faith is all about. What is faith all about? And so in each of these things, we get another picture of what faith is. Some of these men and women didn't have it easy For their faith. In fact, many of them didn't escape the trouble, didn't escape the persecution, didn't escape the problem that they were in. And yet, there was something about their faith and their trust in the Lord that kept them going. How many of you know that faith isn't always about believing that God is going to move the mountain, raise the dead, or change the circumstance? Sometimes faith is believing God in the circumstance no matter what his decision is. I know, that doesn't get as much of an amen. We want to think if we have enough faith, that'll change every circumstance. But that's not always the case because God is sovereign. Faith is much bigger than that. Faith is much bigger than, than, than having a, a rub the lamp kind of a genie that if I just manipulate in the right way and, and, and have the incantation of prayer in the right way or rub the whatever the right way that somehow if I just do it just this way and this, then God's going to answer. Sometimes God does. Sometimes God doesn't. But it, sometimes our faith gets rocked by that. And there were those in in, in the writer of Hebrews is writing to a people that is struggling with their faith. They are enduring some things and going through some things that are very difficult circumstances. Many of them persecution. But regardless of the fact of whatever it is, the trial, the difficulty, the persecution, they're struggling With their faith. In Hebrews chapter 10, I just want to back up just a moment, read a few verses to give context to what he then launches into and what we're going to look into in chapter 11. Starting in verse 32 of chapter 10, he says this Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. Remember, they received the light, that's salvation. Wow, the aha moment. When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted confiscation of your property. Oh, how would you joyfully accept confiscation of your property? Not in America, right? That ain't going to happen to me. Friends, get ready. I know, we don't like to hear that. But friends, I'm telling you, we need to understand this. Persecution is coming. It's coming. All the rights, all the freedoms, all persecution is coming. I just want you to be aware of that. And they they had accepted, joyfully accepted confiscation because you knew, here it is, that you yourselves had a better, had better and lasting possessions. In other words, you had faith. You had faith to believe what God said. You had faith to take God at his word that it was, we talked about last week with the eternal, that this life and the possessions here and the things here aren't all what there is, that there is greater promises and there is greater hope. And yet somewhere along the line, he's reminding them of the earlier days when they had endured. But they had been enduring this for so long and going through for so long that some of them were ready to give up. And so he continues and he says this last little phrase, so do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. And, and why I just felt stirred because I, I, I honestly think that, that, that I, in a, in a group this large and, and just knowing some of the circumstances, it is so easy when our circumstances persist and when our problems persist and when our difficulties persist and when we pray and we're not getting answers and when we're believing God, but we're not seeing the fruit of it, it's so easy to lose confidence and want to give up. It's so easy to struggle with our faith. It's it's so easy to want to abandon our faith, and I, I can't help but believe that there are some here today that are wrestling with their faith and that are struggling with confidence. And the illustrations that we see in Hebrews chapter eleven are filled with people who at times struggle with their faith. And yet, I pray that through this series, you will grow in your faith. You will grow in your understanding of what faith is, and you will grow in your confidence. In God. And so today we're going to lay the foundation. Today we're going to mine out the concept of faith. We're going to dig deep, and we're going to mine out the concept of faith. And I have been praying very hard that the aha that I have received. Now, i got to be honest. I have, I have read Hebrews chapter 11, 1, uh, over and over, which is a definition. I've heard it over and over. I've quoted it. I've read it. But I've got to be honest with you. As I began to study this week and as I began to really dig deep, there were some moments where I went, oh, I don't think I understood it that way. Oh, and, and my understanding of this concept of faith got deeper. So I've been praying that what I have been receiving from the Lord, that I will clearly be able to communicate that so that you can grow in understanding what faith truly is. What faith truly is. In fact, faith is a term, how many know it's thrown around a lot today? It's associated with having religion. Oh, you've got faith. Faith. You've got religion associated with going to church. Oh, uh, I'm going to church. Oh, you've got faith. We, we throw faith all around today. Faith is all, all kinds of things. Faith is hoping that something will happen. Faith sometimes is some uh, emotional feeling. Oh, I've got, I've got a feeling of faith. But friends, faith is so much more than that. And it's so much more than just an intellectual uh, understanding of some kind of a, a, a doctrine. And faith is, it, it includes believing, but it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. And, and, and whether religious or not, I don't know if you realize it, but everybody demonstrates faith in some way. Let me, let me kind of illustrate. A couple of weeks ago, you know, we, we took a trip to Honduras. We took a team of 15 from here to Honduras. Well, to get to Honduras, how many of you know that it would take a long time if you had to drive? And so we, we flew, all right? So, so imagine with me, you know, and, and people do this every single day, but you, you go to the airport, you get to the airport, and as you get through security and all of that, you say, you know what, I got a little bit of time. I'm going to stop and get a cup of coffee and a donut. How about that, right? So you get a cup of coffee and a donut, and then you, you take that. You get into the plane, and, uh, and as you get into the plane, the, the engines begin to whine. They begin to, to roar. You zip down the runway over 100 miles an hour. I don't know how fast it takes to be able to take off. And just at the last moment before the runway is ending and a steel fence is in front of you, the plane lifts up and, and takes off, Right? Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't, to many of us, that doesn't even sound like fate. That just sounds like routine. But let me, let me, let me just put it to you this way. It doesn't sound risky, but let me, let me ask you this. You just brought a cup of coffee from a lady you never met. You have no idea if she put anything in your drink or not. She doesn't know about the coffee she sold you. She doesn't know where it came from or how it was or what it was. She's just trusting that it's good for you. We know nothing about the donut we put in our mouth. We might see an ingredients list, but we don't know much more than that or how it came about or what process it went through. We don't know about the plane. We didn't, expect the, we didn't inspect the engine. We didn't check the fuel. We didn't meet the pilot, the sealed cabin doors. We didn't even see the pilot. You didn't know anything about the people that bore the plane. We didn't know if we could trust them, and we didn't even know the last time the plane was serviced. How many you know you don't know anything about these important details And yet confidently you put your trust in the fact that you could put that cup of coffee in your mouth, you could eat that donut, you could get on that plane, and everything is going to be okay and you're going to arrive at your destination. Let me tell you something. You just exercise faith. You just exercise faith. A business takes a check based on good faith that there's money in the account. You bring your vehicle into the mechanic for repair, but you never see it repaired. You get a bill for parts and labors, and in good faith, you pay it, assuming that they replaced only what needed to be repaired, and they actually put the the new parts they said they put in. At the heart of faith is trust, and trust is something, trust in something or someone in a belief that the outcome is going to be what you expect. That's faith. That's faith. And so Hebrews 11.1 begins this way. I'm going to read from the New King James Version because I like the way it puts it. Maybe just because that's what I grew up with. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, in this definition, there are three key words to faith. Stay with me. Three key words. The first one is substance. Substance. In order for faith to be faith as God defines it, it must have Substance. Sometimes we think of faith and we think that faith is just out there. It's just this thing. You can't, can't really grasp or put onto it. What, what is it? What, what, is, what is faith? But the definition here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says that faith is the substance. Faith involves things, it involves stuff, it involves something. Faith is more, it's it's not positive thinking, it's not a hunch that is followed, it's not hoping for the best and that everything is gonna turn out all right. Faith is not a feeling of uh, optimism and it's not a hope so feeling. Neither it is an intellectual assent in doctrine. It's also not believing in spite of evidence. Friends, faith deals with real things. It deals with things. It deals with substance. It deals with things that are real, things that cross our five senses. The word substance literally means to stand under support. So faith to a Christian is what a foundation is to a house. That's what what faith is. And, And really, this is the key to understanding faith. Faith is only, hear this, faith is only as good as the object in which you put it in. Faith is only as good as the faith is substance, it's only as good as the object. So let's go back to that 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 illustration a few moments ago. When we went to Honduras, our faith was in the pilot and the plane, and it was only as good as the substance of the plane and the pilot. We trusted, I trusted that the, the object, the plane had been engineered, it had been maintained, and, and that it could take me to my destination. My faith, the substance of my faith was in a company called Delta and that Delta could do what they promised to do, could take us safely to the destination of San Pedro Sula, Honduras that they promised and said they could do. Now, I had faith, but my faith was in substance. My faith was in Delta, that Delta would do what they had promised to do and that we would get there safely. My faith was only as good as the substance to which I had put it in. The pews you're sitting in, you had faith when you sat down that they weren't going to fall over or let you down on the ground. Your faith was only as good as the substance or the strength of the object in which you put it in. My faith is only as good as who I trust. Faith is only as meaningful as the substance to which is attached. So if you have faith in a bad substance, or faith, or your, then your faith is going to be insufficient. In how much doesn't matter how much you possess. You can have great faith, but great faith in the wrong substance, great faith in an insufficient substance, is not going to lead you to your promised destination. It's going to lead you to problems. I know we're getting deep here You're like what in the world where are you going What? We're getting deep Faith is the substance of things hoped for In other words faith has an expectation And hope that must involve a substance And so the amount of your faith Is not tied to how much faith you have It's tied to how much substance you possess The surer the substance The more solid the faith A little faith in a solid and trustworthy proven substance proves great results. That's why Jesus said, if you have faith, even as small as a what? Mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea, and it will be. Because a little faith in a great substance will prove great results. Because it's not about the faith, it's about the substance. But you can have great faith... But if it's in the wrong substance, well, (laughs) it will not produce very good results or no results. What makes faith faith is the substance to which it is attached. Some translations in Hebrews 11, one, use the word assurance instead of substance. Assurance is a confidence word. Our assurance or confidence, friends, is only as good as the source Everyone has faith. You can be an atheist and you still have faith. Why? Because there is a substance, something, someone, somewhere that you're trusting in for the belief that you hold on to. It just is. Perhaps some professor in some university somewhere told you what you ought to believe. A professor, a doctor, they've got probably uh, more letters after their name than I do, and they gave you some books by people who had more letters behind their name than what I do, and so you read those books, you listened to that professor, they told you something, and you said, oh, that makes sense, I'm going to believe that. You put your faith in that professor or in that textbook or in whatever that is. And so, therefore, you choose to live your life and and, and the actions of your life and the decisions of your life and the morality of your life all around whatever it is you have chosen to put your faith in and believe in. Whatever that message is. So it doesn't matter if you're an atheist or you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist or whatever it is. Somewhere along the line, there is something, that source, something that you decided to trust, that you decided to put faith in, that began to shape the way you live. The surer the substance, the more solid the faith Faith is only as good as the subject in which it is based. Faith is the assurance of things or subject, ho- substance, hoped for, and the evidence of something your eyes have not yet laid eyes on, but you know is real. So to truly understand faith, you have to look at the substance of the things Hoped for that is the object that gives us the assurance of our faith. And so we who who look at the Bible, we who who look at Jesus as Christians, Christ, Christians, Jesus, we have chosen to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. We have chosen to believe his word. We have chosen that, that as we have looked at his word, I know myself, maybe I can't speak to all of you, but I've looked for myself, and I have, as I have looked, I have found that there is no sure or sure source, there's no better substance for which my faith should be put in than Jesus Christ and his word. I, I have looked in, and for me... <laughs> I have found that there's not a greater substance. So to begin with faith, faith is not about coming to church. Faith is not about your denomination. It's not being assemblies of God, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, or whatever else. It's not about your religion. It's about what you choose to put the source of your faith in. What is the substance of your faith? That's what, at the very heart, that's the first part of this, the first key word is substance. Now, why do I believe in that? Why have I chosen that my faith, my trust should be in the substance of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his word? Well, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, again, his word says it's impossible for God to lie. How many of you know that faith is all about trust and you can't trust a liar? I can't trust a liar. And God has never lied. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, is, he has been consistent. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so, I find that a true source of my faith is in God's Word in the Bible. Now, how can I believe that? How can I trust that? If God is a solid substance that we can trust, how, how do I know what is that? Well, the second word is evidence. Evidence in Hebrews chapter 11, one to three. Let me read it again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Here's the second word, the evidence of things not seen. When we think of evidence, I don't know about you, but I associate it with proof. I I, I associate evidence (coughs) with proof. And and, and doesn't, doesn't faith need evidence? The word used for evidence also means conviction or to be certain or to be convinced of. And the hard part is the writer defines us as evidence or proof and certainty in in what we do not see. And and that's what blows our minds away. That's what's so hard for us to understand is, wait a minute, evidence is usually based on something that I see. It's usually based on something physical. But the definition of faith is that there's a certainty and there's a proof and there's an evidence, but it's in something I do not see. Something that is unseen. How, how, How is that? Evidence means to bring to light. So if you're in a court case, to prove your point, you may you may have present evidence that brings to light what you have believed to be true. So if you think that a person has stolen from the store, a local clothing store, they, they've stolen some clothing from that store, that may be belief, that may be what you believe has happened... But the evidence or the proof validates by bringing that to light. So when you find it and you discover that the clothing is hidden somewhere under or in their purse or in their stroller or somewhere else and they've walked out the door and haven't paid for it, the evidence brings to light what you have believed. Now, Hebrews 11.3 illustrates for us. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now again, evidence of things unseen. And here we have this that takes us back to Genesis chapter one with creation. And it says that what we see now was made out of what was unseen. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis tells us the heavens, plural, and the earth. Now, we know from science that the universe is still expanding. And here in Genesis, it tells us that God created it, that God created. The writer of Hebrews tells us that God as creator created the things that are seen out of something that was not visible. And how did the writer of Hebrews say that we've come to understand this? He says it's by faith. Faith, first and foremost, is the substance, the source, which is God. And second, the certainty uh, uh, of our spiritual eyes. Believing in what has not seen, that God has created what is seen. Now Paul wrote about this, Romans chapter 1, 19 and 20. He said, what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse." The Bible here talks about the fact, Paul writes about the fact that if we take a look at what is seen in creation, it becomes evidence and points to who? God. It points to God. It points to a creator. It points to, to the Lord. And, I, and, and this is a popular, if you've been in a philosophy class, you understand uh, you know, the, the idea and the, the philosophical thing of, of the watch and the watchmaker. I have an Apple watch, it's intricately made, there's all kinds of different things that are, that are involved in this, all kinds of things that it does. If you found this, you would automatically think that there was a maker. You would look at it and you would try to see where, where the identity is, who was the maker of this watch. To understand what the watch is supposed to do, you've got to what, ask the maker. You would never just assume that out of pieces and parts that were kind of spread out all over the place that there was a little bit of a shaking and a little bit of a moving and all of it all came together just into this so that you could look at it. If you did, I want to talk to you. I think there might be a place for you. No, but that, honestly, that, that, but sometimes that's the idea. When you take a look at creation, you take a look at the world, take a look at our human body, take a look at the eyes, take a look at all those things. We, we look at that, and it points us to a creator, that what is invisible to our physical eyes is evidence that is plain in front of us. The problem is some see and some do not see. What's the difference? Faith. There, there are two eyes in which we can look. There's our physical eyes. Those are the things that we see and experience with our five senses. But how many you know that there is a Bible also talking about spiritual eyes? That there, are spirit, there is revelation knowledge. Revelation and where God, God unpacks things on a spiritual level that go beyond what our five senses can see and require us to have faith to see what we cannot see. Let me give you some examples from Scripture, all right, about the spiritual eyes. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, there's a story about a prophet whose name is Balaam. And, uh, and the Israelites had been freed from Egypt, and they came through, and they had this big battle with the Amorites, and then they came into Moab territory, and the king of Moab, Balak, was afraid. And so he decided that he was going to go to this prophet, Balaam, and he was going to pay him a lot of money if he would curse Israel. Balaam is interested due to the money. He was, he was really interested in the money. But after consulting God, God said, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to curse my people. You're not, you're not going to do that. And so Balaam goes back, and he says, no, I can't do that. And so Barak comes back, and he says, hey, 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 hey. He goes, hey, Balaam comes back. He goes, hey, I'll pay you more money. I'll give you more of this. I'll give you more. Finally, Balaam comes back, and he prays, well, oh, come on, God. I can't, Really? They want me to, I mean, I, can, can I do this? And finally, how many know that, 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 that God will relent, right? Sometimes if we persist hard enough. And so God relented, not because God was gonna give him the ability to curse his people, because he was gonna teach him something, and, uh, and so he says, go ahead and go. So he gets on and he goes, because he's persisting. He's persisting against God. And God says, all right, you wanna do your thing, go. And so he's persisting. And as he goes, the Lord sends an angel in front of his donkey as he's going. And if you know the story, the donkey pulls to the right and man, he, he is, is frustrated. What is wrong with this donkey? Why does he keep doing that? And he Beats the donkey and yells and pulls the donkey back. Three times this happens. And finally, in 2 Kings 6 15 and 17, it says that, 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 or excuse me, uh, it it says this that, um, oh, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong place. Let me just back up. Anyway, three times, I don't have the scripture here, three times in Numbers, Balaam, Balaam doesn't see, finally, the donkey, God gives the donkey the ability to speak. And the donkey says, What have I done wrong? You keep beating me, what have I done wrong? You go back on the road, and all of a sudden, Balaam's spiritual eyes were open, and he saw the angel of death standing in front, and that the donkey had actually been trying to keep him uh, from, 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 from death. His spiritual eyes were open, physical eyes and spiritual eyes. Why were Balaam's spiritual eyes blinded? Because he continued in disobedience. And that, that's exactly what happens in Romans. Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let me tell you something. When we persist in disobedience, when we persist in faithlessness, when we continue rather than obeying and trusting the Lord but in our own path, our spiritual eyes will be darkened and we won't see the things that God wants us to see. We aren't able to see it, and there's a lot who are not able to see it. A second example is Elisha and his servant, Elisha prophet, again, given spiritual eyes to see in the enemy's war room. He knew where they were going to attack next and he would report it to the king of Israel and they'd be prepared for it. And so the enemy king, he sought out Eli- Eli- Elisha. He said, what is this? Who, who's this spy? And they said, it's the prophet Elisha. He goes, you know what, go get him. And he sends an entire army to go get him. And, and the servant uh, that, that is with Elisha is afraid. All he can see is the physical eyes and the armies that are surrounding and here it is, 2 Kings 6 15 and 17. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? the servant asked. And here's the prophet's response Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Physical eyes. And spiritualize. Physicalize and spiritualize. Spiritualize see what is not seen by faith. They're trusting in God, and God opens up the spiritual eyes to see things that cannot be seen by the physical eyes. That's faith. That's faith. And by Elisha's faith, it allowed him to see God's protecting army and God's power. Faith is able to grasp the evidence of the spiritual reality that is invisible to the physical eye. That is what faith is. It's able to grasp that evidence. Corey Ten Boom said it this way: Faith is like radar that sees through the fog to the reality of things at a distance the human eye cannot see. And you say, Well, why can that be? How many of you remember several years ago? These were very popular. They 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 were these pictures, and and they. I mean, when you just look at them, they just look like a bunch of colors, they look like a bunch of abstract art, but they tell you that if you, if you look just right and you stare at it just right, there's this 3D image that would begin to pop out. Anybody remember those things? You know, and, 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 and I'm always one of those people, for some reason, I just couldn't see it. I, I don't know. Everybody said, relax your eyes a bit. Just blink, close your eyes, blink, relax your eyes, just look straight ahead, and just let it come out. Just just let it, and I go, I can't see it. And then you have other people right away, they look, and boom, it's right there in front of them. They're like, wow. You know, that's what it is. There are some of us that can see. Spiritually, we can see. And there are others that can't, blind. Why is that? Why is that? Because there are spiritual eyes and there are physical eyes. They're two different pieces, and sometimes the only way to see the picture of what God wants is to to see it is through faith. It's trusting in the source. It's trusting in the source. And we see that example in in creation, created the visible out of the invisible. Hebrews 11.3 says that we have come to understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Remember, the word of God. What did God do? When God did creation, what did he do? He said, God said, let there be light. By the spoken word of God. The word here in Hebrews 11.3 is the word rima. Rima, which means divine utterance or spoken word. And in the beginning, again, he uttered a word and it became. He uttered a word and it happened because he uttered it. Things happened because he uttered it. Dr. Tony Evans said this, all the galaxies were created by someone we can't see using stuff you can't see to create a universe you can see. I don't know if some of you got that. I thought that was pretty good. Why is that important? Because this is the way God's been operating from the beginning, from the beginning of time. God, God, God operates this way by bringing stuff you can't see out of out of or by bringing stuff you can see out of stuff you can't see. He created a whole universe with that strategy. So what's the problem you have again? I don't think you got that. Let me, Let me go back through it again. God created a whole universe. By bringing about stuff you can see out of stuff you can't see. That's the way he operates. So right now, you can't see it. You can't see a solution to your problem. You can't see how that's gonna happen. You can't see how how this is gonna come about. You can't see how God says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, that he works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I can't see the good, I don't see the good. How are you gonna turn this around for good? How is this gonna be good? How is this in my best interest? How is this time in? And God says, put your faith in me and trust me because I've been doing it for years. I've been doing it for centuries. I bring stuff you can't see out of stuff you can't. That's, that's a strategy. Let me give you a formal definition of faith. Faith is simply acting like God is telling the truth. It's acting like God is telling the truth. The Bible calls it walking by faith, not talking by faith. There are some of you talk more by faith than you walk by faith. Craig Rochelle calls it being a Christian atheist. You say you believe in God, but you live like you don't. Hello, old pastor, you stepped on my toes, yep, ouch. We say we trust in the source, but do we? Have we really given full weight? Do we really put full weight of our trust in the source? Do we really believe that God is able to do what he said he can do? Faith is simply taking God at his word. It's trusting in the source. If you want a concrete manifestation of God, then what you believe about God must be married to what you do in light of that belief. Faith has got to become more than a theory in your head. It's got to be evidenced through your actions. James said, faith without works is dead. God is real, friends. God has power. God makes promises, but you're not going to see it until you put faith in motion Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. That was so good, I want to say it again. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. A lot of people say, I, you know what, I'll believe it when I see it. God says the opposite is true. You'll see it when you believe it. Dr. Warren Wearsby defined faith this way true faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Simply put, God speaks, you hear his word. We trust God's word. We act on it no matter what the circumstances or the consequences may be. The circumstances may be impossible. The consequences may be frightening and unknown. But we obey God's word just the same. And we believe him to do what is right and what is best. Why? Because our faith is in the source. It's in the source. And that's why Paul said the source was so important. That I count it all as rubbish except knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. I count everything else as rubbish, all of the other things, all the other stuff I count, except knowing him. Because the more you get to know the source, the more you get to know God, the more you get to know his word, the more you get to know Jesus Christ, the more you'll put your trust in him. Some of us don't have our trust in him because we've stopped knowing him. We have to trust the substance of our faith. And faith is the substance. The substance of the source that we lean on is God. And that source is reliable because there's evidence all around that point to what God has done and what he will do. And some of you have testimony in your life of times where you have trusted in God and he has brought you through. But now you're at this place and for some reason you've forgotten that. And your faith is shaky. But faith is trusting in God's word. Taking God at his word, no matter the consequences or the circumstances. The third key word is witness. In any trial, there are witnesses who point to the evidence and of what is seen, heard, or experienced. In Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter where witness after witness after witness gets up on the stand to illustrate God's faithfulness. Hebrews eleven two too, though, is in between verses 1 and 3. And for by it, and here's the one that doesn't say by faith, but it just said in chapter 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it means for by faith, the people of old received their commendation. They were commended for living by faith, literally a good report. They were commended and affirmed for the way that they lived. Hebrews chapter 12, the next chapter, verse 1, after this entire uh, this entire thing about faith and, faith and by faith and by faith and by faith, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith witnesses what were the witnesses surrounded by such a great cloud of what are the witnesses look back at Hebrews chapter 11 They're witnesses of what happens when we live by faith. They're witnesses of what happens when we put our faith in the right substance, the substance of God, that they put their faith in the substance of God. It was carried out through their actions and seen by what they did. And the evidence is there and the witness is there. And they're crying out saying, God is the right source. He can be trusted. He brings about what he has promised. Literally, a good report. That's what it's all about. The substance can be trusted. For some, their circumstances changed. If you read, if we read through this entire. I encourage you read through Hebrews eleven. For some, their 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 situation changed. For others, their circumstances didn't. Nevertheless, they didn't give up. They didn't stop hanging on. They held on in faith, regardless. Because true faith is not about the circumstances. It's about the author of the story. true faith, trust in God for the outcome, regardless of what we see. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no crops, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Listen, I may not see it, but I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to be joyful. I may not see the answer, there are no no buds on the fig tree, no grapes on the vines, no olive no olive crop. The olive crop seems to have failed. There no nothing, no fields produce no food, not sheep, no no cattle. Yet yet, no matter what, yet I don't do not see. I do not see. Yet I will rejoice because I know my source. I know my source. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we believe that our God can, we believe that our God is able, but even if He doesn't, we will still trust Him. You know where shaky ground is at? Shaky ground is at when you're trusting in God for something, you're believing in God for something, and He doesn't do what you had trusted or believed Him to do, all of a sudden faith is shaken, because faith becomes about the answer and not about the source. Is your faith in the source, or is your faith in what God will do for you? See, true faith is found in the source that no matter the circumstances, no matter the consequences, if God said so, I will do it. And that's hard. That is hard. Faith is a substance. It's more than than a belief. It's a belief in something you, a belief, listen to this, a belief is something you argue about. A conviction is something you die for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction, the evidence, the conviction of things unseen. I will die for a conviction, and there are many witnesses throughout that demonstrate how faith works itself out in our lives. Those who are willing to die for it. Now I'm landing the plane. All right, some of you are checking your watches. I'm landing the plane. Faith is not going to church, and it's not being religious. It's not an emotion. It's not an intellectual assent or belief in a doctrine. It, faith is simply taking God at His word. And acting upon what he says. It's not simply what you talk about, it's how you walk it out. You have to believe before you can see. And let me give you one final illustration, and then the worship team's gonna come, and we're just gonna open the altars and, and just begin to stir our faith up in the Lord. George Mueller, Bristol, exemplifies nitty gritty faith. 1887, he was on board a ship that was stalled on the coast of Newfoundland in dense fog. The captain had been on the bridge for 24 hours when Mueller came to see him. Mueller told him that he had been in Quebec. He had to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon and the captain replied, that's impossible. Very well, said Mueller. If your ship cannot take me, God will find another way. I have never broken an engagement for 52 years. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. The captain wondered what a lunatic asylum uh, that, that Mueller had escaped from. But George Mueller said, you know what? Do you know how dense, the, he said to, to, to George Mueller, he said, do you know how dense this fog is? And Mueller said this, no, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. Mueller knelt down and he prayed simply. And when he had finished, the captain was about to pray, but Mueller put his hand on his shoulder and told him not to. He said, first, you do not believe that he will. And second, uh, I believe he has, and there's no need for whatever you're about to pray about. The captain looked at Mueller in amazement. Captain, he announced, I have known my Lord for 52 years, and there's never been a single day that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, captain. Open the door, and you'll find the fog is gone. And the captain walked across to the door, and he opened it, and the fog had lifted. Mueller could see what the captain could not see because he lived completely trusting in Jesus. By faith, he could lay hold of the promises of God even when they weren't before him. Right away. And friends, that's what faith is. Faith is trusting the source enough that even when I do not see, I see. Even when I do not see, I trust. Even when I do not see, I know that God will bring about what he has promised. Do you trust in the source? Is your faith in the source? Do you trust in the word of the Lord? Would your life, would the actions of your life would the choices that you made this past week, the choices you made this past weekend, would they be evidence and witness that your faith is in God? Or would they be to the contrary? It all begins with the foundation of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. And once have faith to be saved... So my question is, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to just start right here. Maybe you've come in today and you, you haven't put your faith in Jesus Maybe you didn't even know you should put your faith in Jesus, but today, today, you're saying, I, I want to trust Jesus as my source. I want to place my faith in Jesus. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe at one time you prayed a prayer and you prayed a prayer of faith, but you far from been living that way. And today, you want to renew that commitment, and today, You want to pray and you want to say, Jesus, today, I put my faith in you. I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to make you my source. I choose to let you be the substance of my faith. If that's you today, will you slip up your hand? I want to lead you in prayer today. I want to lead you in prayer today. Thank you. Are there others? I want to put my faith in Jesus. I need to put my faith in Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, will you pray with me today? Just again, this prayer is just your confession of what you desire to do and of your faith. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you're a source that can be trusted, that you came and you gave your life in my place for my sins and that you raised to life and gave me the hope of eternal life. Today I confess my sin to you and I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to cleanse me and I trust that you will and that you have because your word says so. I put my trust and my faith in you For salvation and for hope of eternal life. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Secondly, this morning, before you move, there are some of you, you've placed your faith in Jesus. But circumstances situate your faith has been rocked, shaken. You are struggling. You are struggling. You trusted the source, but you feel as if the source has let you down. You feel as if the circumstances are unfair. They're not right, and, and I'm not condemning you for that. But today you say, you know what? I've got to renew that. I need my faith to be strengthened. I, I need the Lord to, to stir in me and open my, my spiritual eyes. Open my spiritual eyes. You, you Again, you trusted him for salvation, but you're struggling. You're wrestling right now. And you'd say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm just struggling with my faith right now. You'd just be honest enough to say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I've just been wrestling. I've been wrestling with my faith. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, right now, you know the hands that are up, and you know those that aren't, but they are wrestling with faith. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you will stir. You will stir up faith. You will open spiritual eyes. Open our eyes to see Open our eyes to see you at work. Open our eyes to see what you've already been doing, what you've already done. Remind us, God, over and over of what your word says and what you're capable and what you do. Remind us of your sovereignty, that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can say we believe our God can, but even if he doesn't, we're still gonna trust him. We're not gonna bow our knee. We're not gonna give up. We're gonna continue on because we know the source. We know the source. Father, I just pray encouragement for faith today. Encouragement for those that are struggling today. That we would live our lives dedicated to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.